Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Food made with care, elevated preparation, and then served the way you want it, that's a dignified meal. And people who need food and food assistance are not people without dignity. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. The holidays mean food and food waste. Today on our season six finale, we'll meet a mother and son duo who are doing something about it. You're about to meet a mother and son who are reducing food waste while also tackling food insecurity in northern Pinellas County. Ellen and Cameron McLeish are the co-founders of 360 Eats. The nonprofit turns surplus food into meals for the hungry and compost for gardeners. Don't you just love that? Cameron is the executive director, while Ellen is the executive chef. I met up with them at Kitchen 24. It's a commercial kitchen in Oldsmar where they store and prepare the food. In our conversation, Cameron and Ellen explain why food waste happens, what they're doing about it, and how we can all waste less food in our own kitchens. This whole model is based off of a circular economic system where, you know, resources are continually used and reused. And um, so, hence name 360 Eats, and it's got four key components to it. The first is our food rescue. So we partner with local grocery stores, food distributors, basically anywhere in the food industry where food waste occurs, which happens to be everywhere. Um, and we partner with these these businesses and receive their surplus food that they don't plan to sell and would otherwise go to waste. We receive it as a donation. So that food that we've then rescued, we weigh, we sort, we process, we figure out what we're going to keep. So things like um, ingredients, things that we can cook with, we'll prioritize keeping. Um, things like prepared meals, um, we won't necessarily be able to use within our meal services. We can't really break down a prepared meal and then serve it. So uh, we're partnered with other food pantries and agencies in the areas where we will reroute that good food that we may not necessarily be able to use, but they can. So we ensure that no food goes to waste at any point throughout the whole process. Um, So once the food is prepared, uh, meals are are packaged in compostable containers, and then we go directly out into the community with our food truck, and we serve those meals directly to those who are facing food insecurity in our community. Um, And the whole point of that that project, the food truck, is to improve access to nutritious foods. Um, a big problem that we kind of deal with here in the food insecure communities is people who lack, you know, reliable transportation to get to supplemental food services. So that's the whole idea with the food truck is that we're able to bring that food to them in an elevated, dignified dining experience via the food truck. And it's all free meals. And then the last piece uh, to the whole 360-degree system is our composting program. So um, any food scraps that are generated throughout the cooking process or the food rescue process, we then donate to local gardeners who then compost those food scraps and and turn it into compost, which is then used to grow more food. And then the, the cycle continues. So that is 360. Yeah. 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 Perfect name. Yeah. 
Ellen, explain to me how the food truck works. That's a new aspect to the business, right? That is brand new. We are able to prepare all of the food here in the kitchen, and then we uh, carry that cold onto the truck. The truck is a fully equipped kitchen. Any food that continues to need to be prepared can be prepared on the truck. Once we get to a site, then whoever wants a meal comes up to the truck. We have a menu. So the idea as well is to give people who very rarely are given a choice when it comes to their nutrition the ability to choose to build their own bowl, what they want with uh, the food. So we would generally have two um, bases, maybe a rice and a potato. And then we would have two different kinds of vegetables you could choose from, and then two different proteins and two different sauces. And that way, anybody coming up to the truck can say, well, I don't like rice, but I do like potatoes, or I don't want fish, but I'll have that chicken. And it's another level to, Cameron mentioned the word dignity, that's very important to us. The phrase that you are what you eat is something I hold near and dear to my heart. So food made with care, elevated preparation, and then served the way you want it, that's a dignified meal. And people who need food and food assistance are not people without dignity. So we we want to be able to give them that opportunity. Oh, I love that. So you're cooking the food, Mm -hmm. and you're cooking basically the ingredients that people can choose and then make their own bowl? Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, what does a typical day look like for you in the kitchen? (laughs) Hundreds of pounds of potatoes to chop and (laughs) maybe roast in the oven or mash. Um, Hundreds of pounds of rice that uh, we cook up with whatever kind of flavoring that uh, I have on hand. It's like that cooking show where you get the basket and you open it and it's like, what are you going to make with this? It's got to be nutritious. It's got to be flavorful. Go. So that's my weekly. <laughs> Do you have help? Demo. We uh, operate on a volunteer basis. So we have um, through our website the ability to access a volunteer calendar, which has every shift that we need volunteers extra hands for we're always looking for more (laughs) we could always use more hands especially as we're expanding our meal services with our food truck so that's that's how we do it now um we're sitting here in this small pantry full of peanut butter boxed almond milk peppers beans why would a store or a restaurant be getting rid of these these are shelf stable foods you also have a freezer with meat and things and then a fridge with fresh produce which is a little more understandable because those don't last long but why why is there so much waste like this to begin with Uh, It's a question that we've asked ourselves from the very beginning. And, you know, as we've been doing this, we've become a little more familiar with, you know, the reasons behind why all this food is going to waste. I mean, one of the most common things that we see is when packaging is damaged during the transportation process. And I'm not talking about, let's say, a a can that's dented. I'm talking about maybe the box for, you know, a, a pack of tuna opened up on the side, but all of the cans are still perfectly fine inside depending on, you know, what store location it is, policies prevent them from, you know, being able to sell that. I mean, a lot of it as well as um, things that are approaching or past its sell-by date, which is very much different from an expiration date. I think a lot of people kind of mix that up, which is, it's still perfectly good food. That's a lot of like kind of the the dry foods, things like canned goods and stuff, which, you know, will last a, a good amount of time past their suggested date of use. Something else I've seen is, 
the need for especially our supermarkets to have a perpetual display of plenty. Sometimes they're just getting rid of one item to put in the new one um, and to fill that shelf with something new that people might want to buy. Um, so there's some carelessness that I've observed as well in how we treat our food and what's viable. And I know, like a lot of the beautiful produce that we receive in perfectly good packaging, I'm like, did you just get another shipment in? Um, and one comment, too, I might say in the industry, I, I was, I, I am a professional chef. Um, I've been at the, I opened the Fenway Hotel. I was at Elevage at the Epicurean Hotel in Tampa. And I know that the standard is when you're receiving food into a restaurant, you can't accept that damaged box because you can't verify what damaged it. So a lot of times the food is perfect. All the time, I think. We get good food. Mm -hmm. We very rarely get anything that we're like, wow, this couldn't have been sold. Other than, as you said, the produce, which can be a little more vulnerable. But Wow, I didn't know you were a professional chef. Yeah. <laughs> what are the easiest foods to use and what are the hardest? Do you ever get a... a can of sardines and you're like what the heck are we gonna do with this always <laughs> that is my life <laughs> what am i gonna do with this with this sustainable model it's definitely easiest to look at your starches and just know that's going to be a base whatever that starch is whether it's quinoa or rice or a potato or a pasta so that's very easy proteins very easy I know what to do with those. The vegetables, again, that's another easy one. You know, just keep cooking them so they don't spoil. <laughs> Someone will eat them and make them taste good. Um, but those wild ingredients are a lot of fun for me, too. I, I really, you know, because who's going to see that little can of sardines, <laughs> you know, and, and what can I do with that? Can I make that into a dressing? I mean, you know, whatever you want to do with it, it's, it's fun. What's the most unusual donation you can recall? That's a tricky one. We get That's unusual tricky. things every week. <laughs> um, this is one of the there funniest ones we got. Uh, <laughs> someone donated a uh, uh, jar of dried beans, and the name of the beans was, um, <laughs> what was it called again? It was, uh, oh, uh, Redneck Bubble Bath. And it was a <laughs> picture of a, of a guy in a bathtub with bubbles floating up. I, you can paint the rest of it. <laughs> You know, the picture there, but yeah, that was definitely a bizarre donation that we received. That Good is memory. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's that amazing. One. Yeah. Where do you keep all the food? Because before we started recording, mm -mm. Ellen, you mentioned that you have some of the food in your house. The dry goods. Occasionally, we do run out of room here, um, so that's uh, some of them do wind up back at my house until we can get them here and. So, Cameron, how do you wrap your mind around the fact that there's more food waste than you can even store here, and yet there are hungry people? Mm -hmm. mm. It's um, something. So I kind of started this journey back in 2015. Um, I was traveling, and I was exposed to dumpster diving um, through a, a community of backpackers there. And it was at that point that the food system was totally flipped on its head for me. Everything that I had grown up, you know, luckily I had my mom who's always been very conscious with regards to sustainability and, you know, making the most of the food that you have available. Um, but it was the first time that I had seen, uh, you know, commercial food waste in, in that kind of capacity. And so for me, it's been something that's been on my mind for um, a while now. I'm not as shocked as I once was when I first started, but it's something that, you know, every now and then I'll think to, 
you know, for example, we're partnering with Earth Fair, local grocery store. Um, and there's days of the week where we just simply can't pick up food. They'll call us and say, hey, we've got a couple hundred pounds of really high quality food items here. Can you pick up? And, and we just don't have the capacity. So we'll try to, you know, find another organization that can pick up, et cetera. And so I guess in moments like that, I, I, it's kind of like a reminder of like, this is really a serious problem. Um, and it, it, you know, it's proof of a broken food system. Honestly, you have billions of pounds of food going to waste every single year. And yet in America, um, I'm sure these figures have, have gone up since the pandemic, but originally it was one in every eight individuals was considered food insecure. That's millions of Americans. And so when you put the two numbers side by side, I mean, if that's not uh, proof of a broken food system, I don't, I don't really know what is. And so that's kind of where we're at is, although we're doing this on very much like a local scale, we're, I think everything, everything helps, everything counts. And, it, it, you know, one of the largest areas of food waste is actually at home. You know, that's something that we try to do not only through the work that we do in the community, but also, you know, educating people on social media, et cetera, you know, giving them different, different tips and tricks of how to be a little bit more zero waste and sustainable in their own kitchens. And so anyways, I feel like I've gone on this tangent. And but. On that, but on that point, I will share with you that I have had more than once a volunteer who had come and cooked, you know, over a course of time with me, say, you've literally changed how I think about my food preparation at home. They're like, I can hear your voice, Ellen, every time I have that, you know, that piece of carrot that I'm about to throw out and think, well, wait, could I continue to use this for food? Is it like they're thinking now at home how to be less wasteful? And that's also hugely impactful to the, the problem. Well, I'm glad the two of you brought that up because this is amazing, but not everyone can operate something like this. So what are some takeaways for us at home or maybe a challenge? I mean, going into the holidays, there's a ton of food waste. You end up throwing out the turkey or the cranberry because you just get sick of eating it. Like what a what a luxury to have that problem. So what what do you do with that little piece of carrot or other food scraps? So it starts with the mindset. If you just reset your mind, we're not looking for perfection, progress, not perfection, to be less wasteful. If that's your mindset, it's going to alter how you shop for your food. If you know that five pound bag of carrots, we'll just stick with carrots for an example, is more than you will ever use. Don't buy them. Find the ones that are loose, you know, or talk to your supermarket manager and say, I wish the food came in smaller proportions because my family will only eat two pounds of carrots. The rest will go to waste. So things like that, you can start to change the way you shop. So you'll shop less wastefully. Use Google. Use the internet. What can I do with carrots? Slash recipe. And eight million ideas will come up of how to throw that raw carrot into the next bottle of salad dressing in the blender, boom, you've got a delicious carrot-flavored vinaigrette. There's so many things you can do with food that I think a lot of people, if you just use, you know, just Google or ask someone you know who cooks, I have this stuff, what can I do with it? Also, when I see this a lot at home, and I'm, I have been guilty of this in the past, I'm having people over for dinner, I want to impress them, I'm going to make that, that Thai chili dish. So I buy my little <laughs> Thai chili <laughs> paste in a jar. I use a teaspoon of it. And then what? So sometimes it's also thinking about just what is the flavor? What is that 
ingredient going to bring to a dish and it doesn't have to be Thai anymore. Suddenly it's just a little bit of heat and maybe I want that in my chicken soup this week. It doesn't matter that's Thai chili paste. I just want a little heat in my chicken soup, so I'm going to throw that in and use it. So that's the other thing, I think, is just to look at what you already have in terms of flavor, texture. What can it bring to any dish outside of some defined culinary purpose? And and then Google. Be creative and have fun with it. Yeah, and I'll say another thing as well, composting. So um, if you have access to, you know, if you've got property with a yard or something, the process of composting is incredibly easy. Um, there's a lot of information online of, you know, how to get you started. And in the event that you, let's say you live in an apartment, right, and you don't have the space to compost yourself, there's a website called makesoil.org, which um, I think is pretty active nationwide. It basically is a map and it shows you uh, composting host sites. So people can, you know, sign up and, and turn their, let's say they've got a big yard or something, they can turn their yard into a, a host site. So people who have food scraps can log into this, this application, find the nearest composting host site, and then go and take their food scraps over to their composting setup and, and let them compost their food scraps. So uh, you don't have to have the space to necessarily compost. There's, there's resources available for you to, to really make use of those food scraps. And I think one thing I wanted to add as well is it's important that people understand why we should reduce food waste. Apart from it, just, you know, I think most people can get can understand that it's bad to waste food. But why is it bad to waste food? We know that uh, food waste is one of the largest contributors to greenhouse gas emissions, right, alongside, I believe, roadside emissions. This, of course, uh, furthers the global warming effect. Um, so it's, it's imperative that we start to correct our behavior if we want to sustain as, as a species, as a world, really. Um, and so I think that people need to start shifting their mindset to it's one thing to know oh yeah it's bad you know to waste food but another why is it bad to waste food and to understand the gravity of the situation is that if we don't start correcting our habits now this will lead to further irreparable damage so um you know and that and that's that's very much important for for people to understand so where had you been traveling when you were backpacking and saw people dumpster diving Yeah, I was, um, so I left London, I studied in London, and then I was working in some dull IT job and said, you know, I want to go see the world. Pretty much in one day, uh, left my job, broke up with my then girlfriend and booked a one-way ticket to to Australia. I know, it was a little harsh. Wow, you were uh, decisive. I was decisive. I was in that mindset at the time, and I I wanted to see what the world had to offer. Um, And I'm so glad that I did, because I would not be sitting, you know, with you here today if it was not because of that, so... But I ended up in Australia. That was my first location. And within two weeks, um, I had stumbled on this community of backpackers that were living together in a shared house. There was about 30 or so, give or take. And there were always new people coming in and filtering out. But there was always like, you know, a small core group of people that kind of lived there full time. Um, and when I first arrived, I was jet lagged, um, not in the mood for conversation. I just wanted to sleep and they invited me in and they're giving me a tour of the place and they take me to the kitchen and the kitchen honestly looks something similar to what you're, you're seeing here in front of us, just full of all this, you know, gourmet food. And I'm saying, well, these guys got a big, you know, budget for food. (laughs) They're spending, they're spending hundreds of, of dollars on food every week. And, um, they told me, well, actually, we don't spend any money on any of this food. This is all good food that we've pulled from local grocery stores, got, uh, dumpsters. 
And I'm not gonna lie, the first when I first heard that, I was disgusted. I was like, I need to find a hotel. Typical American. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was like, this is so gross. These guys are eating, you know, trash. That that was my. And I think most people, when they hear about it for the first time, they're like, that's that was mine gross. on that Skype call. I was like, right, We're eating garbage. My baby is halfway around the world eating garbage. Yeah. So it took me a couple weeks uh, to kind of adjust to their living style, and then eventually they invited me to come on a dumpster diving mission, if you will. And we went out to a local grocery store, and opening up that dumpster for the first time was like opening up a treasure chest. I could not believe my eyes. I mean, there was, you know, gourmet cheeses and breads and meats and etc. You know, they had timed it so that they knew exactly when they were throwing the food in the dumpster, so it was all still perfectly fresh. And so that inspired me to see, you know, how how far down the rabbit hole could I go? Like, how big was this problem? So over the course of about two years, I made it my my goal to try to source a majority of my food from the good food that grocery stores had thrown away. And I was pretty successful in that. Um, I would say probably about... Uh, 60 to 70 percent of the food that I consumed over the course of those two years was was from grocery store dumpsters. Um, and people always ask me, didn't you get sick or did you get food poisoning? Not once. Um, you know, and I think a lot of that shocks up to the fact like you learn what to look out for and, you know, bloating of packages, etc. But uh, when I came back to the U.S., I, I wanted to create a solution. I said, you know, between Australia, New Zealand, Southeast Asia, the U.S., it was the same story everywhere. And I said, okay, this isn't an isolated issue. This is a global issue. And um, I started to do my research, like, what are the impacts of food waste? And I said, okay, well, this, this needs to be tackled ASAP. And so that's why we started 360 Eats was to, to be a part of the solution. What a great story. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to mention? And and what do you need? Obviously, Ella needs someone to help chop potatoes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what what do you need to go to the next level? Um, yeah, so apart from volunteers, um, and I think it's, you know, it, it's not the most original thing, but it's so true. Funding. We need funding mm-hmm. uh, in order to, to, you know, sustain what we're doing. And obviously now that we have a food truck, our, our expenses have increased and, um, you know, it's imperative that we continue to get, uh, you know, donors and people um, backing this project because it's, although it's something that my mom and I started ourselves, we always say this, this is a community project. This is built by the community for the community um, and is meant to serve the community. And so, you know, we really encourage people that when they do contribute, whether it be monetarily or, or as a volunteer, that they are a part of this community project and they are part of the solution. And we really do want to encourage people that, you know, when they donate their money, it's not a just a, hey, thank you, see you later kind of thing. It's thank you for your donation. We invite you to come in, check out what we're doing and, and you know, potentially get involved as well in, in other ways. So, What do you need in the kitchen? Are you ever like, dang it, if only I had olive oil, I could do... X, Y, and Z. So we have been able to partner with some amazing um, food sources. You know, obviously I'm not shopping for food, but I think you can see that anything I need, I pretty much have access to. That's true. (laughs) Cooking wine. I've got nonstick spray. I've got, you know, 
We don't buy any food. Amazing. Mm. Organic peanut butter, mm-hmm. cooking wine. I see quinoa. I see There's pasta. Vinegars back here. I've got all kinds of tomato products to make sauces with. We've got lots of a variety of grains. We've got like black barley and quinoa. And, I see uh, curry paste, mm-hmm. all kinds of spices. Lots of spices. How fun. It would be fun to come in here and volunteer. It cook with you. absolutely is fun. And I will say I have, I have heard from a lot of our volunteers that we do provide not just an opportunity to be of of use and of real help like you're not just stuffing envelopes you are literally helping feed people with food that was gonna head for the landfill that's pretty powerful volunteer experience but we i think you can see we're pretty relaxed we think everything should be super enjoyable as well and inclusive it's all you know, you should feel welcome, and I think people do when they volunteer with us. And, and adding to that, actually, it's it's an opportunity for people to learn some some culinary skills True. and potentially use that um, in other aspects of life. And a great example of that is we had a volunteer, Emily, uh, who volunteered with us for about six months. She was working in IT, wasn't satisfied with her, her career choice. That sounds and, familiar. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, she broke up with her boyfriend. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, I may have nudged her a bit. Um, no, but she wasn't happy where, where she was at. And her dream was to become a chef. And so just by volunteering with Ellen in the kitchen over the course of about six months, she had gained the culinary uh, skills and experience that she needed <laughs> to land herself a job as, uh, I believe she's on. she's a line cook now for Roca, which is one of the top restaurants here in in Tampa. Yeah. Um, And that's something that eventually we want to open up for people in our community who would otherwise have barriers to employment. So giving them, you know, uh, job experience, job training, potentially at some point, if we get the funding an opportunity for a livable wage, maybe hire some, some of these amazing folk to come on and, and help Ellen, you know, cook. And, and it's, that all falls back in that 360 degree. It's all, it's full circle, right? Mm -hmm. You know, giving to the community, bringing the community in and, you know, um, having them be a part of, of the solution while at the same time being able to sustain themselves and their, and their families. So. And um, I'm going to add one more thing to this, um, in that there is also an amazing opportunity for people who are cooks, who are chefs, um, there's no ego in my kitchen. And so if there's a professional chef and I have a few of mine that will come in and help out, I'm like, there's the proteins, make them taste good. Like you would also, as a professional cook, be able to come in and have fun, play with all the food, all the ingredients, and also be of incredible use and service. So it's a way to use those professional skills and your creativity to also be of service. How cool. (laughs) Thank you guys for all your time. I know you've got potatoes to chop and probably (laughs) groceries to drop off or pick up. So I really appreciate this. This is very inspirational. We appreciate your coming and, um, and helping us get our message out there. Ellen McLeish and her son, Cameron McLeish, are the co-founders of 360 Eats. You can see a photo of their sustainable food truck on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Dalia Cologne. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. We get help from Chandler Balcom, Hannah Abdel-Majid, John Vargas, and Mark Hayes. We're taking off a couple weeks for the holidays, but we'll be back in January with some tasty new episodes for you. So until then... Have a safe and happy holiday season, and thank you so much for listening. 
Possessed is a production of WUSF Public Media, and for the final time, copyright 2022.